Hello and welcome to the seventh episode of Safe House. Today I will be talking with my good friend Shaw Fowler. He is a poet, he is a model, he is a fashionista and we get into all the tea. From his poetry book to what it's like as a fashion student at the moment and you really don't want to miss this one. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to Safe House. Hello everyone. I'm an influencer. Do I really want to just stay there? I'm not gonna like write a diary because who's buying a diary? Oh dear! Oh dear! She's fucking. She's fucking. She's not. She's what? The mailbox is full and cannot accept any messages at this time. Goodbye. That's on. Oh no, that sounds horrible. Okay, I think that's recording. Perfect. It sounds fine. Okay. Welcome to Safe House. How are we? I'm good. Hello, everyone. Well, you. (laughs) Me. (laughs) Obviously, because of lockdown, I'm still in my room. It's just like a a virtual safe house at the moment. Yeah. Uh, But in the Safe House studio today, I have... I don't know whether to call you Shaw or Angel, because I know you as Angel first before anything else. (laughs) Well, this this is the big thing, is I... For a long time, I was Angel mm-hmm. Birushi on Instagram. And then, I mean, I'm not going to get into the story because <laughs> people know the story. I don't know if you do. I don't know that I do. Maybe I mean... I like it as like a, as like a sort of screen name almost. Like it's not... And I use Shaw, like... I use Shaw openly. Like it's... It's like a Sasha Fierce. Not even an alter ego because it's just the same me. But um, so long as you're talking to me or about me, I don't mm-hmm. care which name you use. Yeah. While we're on that topic pronouns before i start because i need to make sure we he they he they they. i'm the same but like again talk about me perfect yeah as long as you don't use any slurs i'm absolutely fine (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's usually what i say to people okay so welcome to the show yeah um i'll just explain a little bit what safe house is and then you can get a vibe of what um Mm -hmm. i always explain to the the listeners and my guests about what they can and can't talk about. Nothing is off the table. Okay. Safe House is a completely open space to talk about whatever you want. There's no judgment whatsoever. You can bring up anything and that's the idea. Everything is open <laughs> and nothing is off the table. Perfect. If I remember rightly, we interacted first over Instagram and since then it's become like... I think only over Instagram. We've not met in person, have we? Absolutely not. Absol- I think most of our interactions have been during lockdown, if I'm right. Yeah, I think. like, I think we've followed each other and been mutuals for, like, a little while longer. It's been at least two years. Yeah, I think because we run in the same circles, like... This is what I was going to say. We have, like, a lot of mutual friends, which I've only just realised, <laughs> because, like, a ridiculous amount. <laughs> this is a weird thing. So, uh, you spoke to Jude Caveman. Yeah, who is my, like, drag sister. So, when I was maybe 13, 14... I was at the champion competition. I like lost to him because he's like actually good at it, and I was just there for fun. Not a trampolining contest. And then like we sort of like lost contact, and then like I mean we you know we've still been like neutral and everything. But I just thought it was so weird that like you know that random connection that like it could he could have been anyone, <laughs> I could have been anyone. But then like now we're running in the same circles. And I mean this is the thing though. I think with the gay community, yeah, especially all gay people know each other. It's like ridiculous <laughs> like you'll make, make friends with one person and they're like oh you're friends with them well you can't be friends with us because yeah it's <laughs> it's, it's 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 not a piece of me at all <laughs> i mean and that's my thing is that like i feel like i'm terminally well connected a lot of people <laughs> a lot of people will like say to me like every time they find someone new on tinder or like wherever 
they go to their account and I already follow them or like and I'm like oh yeah no I've known them for years like <laughs> it's um, yeah or like oh yeah they're my friend and I'm, I have this weird random connection where you've met them once in this oh yeah yeah I'm the worst for being like oh no we're really close friends and we've never met we've never spoken <laughs> I, I love that. Ask my fella. I say all the time, like, oh, yeah, they're my friend. He's like, how do you know them? I'm like, um, Instagram? <laughs> oh. It's like mums when they ask you like, who you're friends with and they're like, this person, they're like, I've never heard of them. Um, and I'm like, oh, well, we liked each other's pictures on Instagram or whatever. So it basically means we're friends. So It is. It's like mums knowing all the neighbours and like not having spoken to them. Exactly. Exactly. I actually think one of the first, it was around the time that I met Kerem that we first acknowledged each other, I think, because... When did you meet Kerem? I met Kerem 20... September 2019, when I stayed with unnamed person and went out with that group and he kind of like took me under his wing because... I've just remembered who uh, unnamed person is. No, but he was he took me under his wing and then I think he must have mentioned you and then, and then, um, and then we like talked back and forth. Yeah. So we met, I think, 2018. Mm-hmm. Like I was in London and stopped by with him. Like I was, we had just like met each other on Instagram. And it was like, you know, I think, mm-hmm. you know, you, you can tell when you connect with someone and like it yeah. sort of went from there. I feel like he's one of those people though. The way he was with me kind of just was like, disconnect from that completely. Yeah. I'm here. It's fine. Yeah. And then, which makes sense why you're friends with him as well. Yeah. I think, so. I mean, I like, attribute me living in london to him because he helped me with my application he was sort of like oh what a dream you have to move to london uh-huh. like he was he wouldn't let me have gone anywhere else which i appreciate so much mm. speaking of why are you in london tell the listeners what you're doing oh <laughs> i well so i study fashion media practice and criticism mm. at london college of fashion which is part of university of the arts london just one of your creative um, ventures can I just say? Yeah, yeah. So that is what I'm sort of studying and what I hope to go into, like, sort of career-wise. But in the rest of my time, I'm a poet, slash. And, you know, other than that, I just, I spend a lot of time looking gorgeous. I can vouch for that. Um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Do. I make, I make some, I make TikToks that don't do very well, you know. Is that a Tamagotchi around your neck? It is a little resin one. Fashion icon. You know, when I bought it, I got really upset. Does it? Is it functioning? No, it's just resin. But um, I got really upset because I thought it was going to be like big, like like the size of like my hand. <laughs> but it's like the size of an actual Tamagotchi. It's still cute. It's, it's very cute. I shouldn't be surprised, but thank you. Yeah, I just posted a little selfie in this outfit. I did see. Um, I did see while I was getting ready and I was being late as usual. <laughs> I'm an influencer. Oh. If everyone's not wearing Tamagotchis next week, I'll be very surprised. I hate that word so much. Yeah, I hate. Although, do you know what, that is, because the thing is, I'm not really a content creator. And I'm also not really an influencer. You are, in a way. But I have, like, you know, a couple thousand followers. But like, I know I hate the word as well, so I know what you mean. Influencer's horrible. I think content creator's nicer, and it's like a more of a... Like, I do it for myself kind of way rather than I do it because I want people to yeah. copy me. Yeah. Well, I was um, thinking, the, well, about a week ago now, I did a shoot with, I think, you know, uh, Owen Gobra. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Lovely. I did a shoot with her and, like, we went through maybe, like, nine or ten different looks. Like, we felt like a little content farm by the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's just fun, creative stuff to just get on with it. But, I mean... That's what I'm excited for out of lockdown is, like, yeah. I feel as though I've made 
quite a few connections like during lockdown. I feel like everyone's connected with everyone. This is what I'm saying. So it's not just me connecting with people. Everyone's connected with each other. So at some point, it's just going to be this massive, big thing. (laughs) I'm very excited. I mean, that's the thing. Like, I was quite lucky because I was working as an extra on a a TV show that I can't actually say anything about. Work. But... (laughs) um so i had to get like three or four covid tests done for that Uh so because i knew i was covid free and um i knew that like erin lives alone yes that's why i was like able to go and do the photo shoot and like covid safe that's cute or as covid safe as you can make it Mm -hmm. you know to be fair you say you're not an influencer then you say so i've got this project but i can't tell you anything about it (laughs) (laughs) no it's just I'm an extra in a TV show. You might see my leg in something, like, next year. That's like, exciting, though. That's exciting. It, it, was, it was quite fun. I mean, it was the kind of opportunity that, like, I probably would have done for free, but then I got paid for it as well, so... Is that something um, that you wouldn't have had had you not have been in London, or...? Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, this is the thing. I get asked this a lot by, like, people who are, like... By all your fans and followers. Ooh, do I go to London for uni, or, like... No, but, like, just people I make friends with, like, who are like, mm-hmm. is London worth it? And I think it's only worth it if you want, mm-hmm. if you're going to, like, make the most of it. If you want a university experience and you want to, like, you know, live on campus and have that sort of coming-of-age moment, then you want to go to, like, not necessarily a smaller university, but a smaller city and do a different kind of course. Because my course is very, it's got it's not got much contact time and it's, very few projects because they want and expect us to be doing other mm-hmm. things and to be pushing ourselves outside of the university right okay and like developing our creative practices like in congruency with our education is that a word um, congruency you know what i meant though yeah it sounded right especially now if you're trying to get your foot into a door you have to be able to do yeah. everything and the best way about like figuring out how to do everything is by just doing it because like you can't take a class on like how to make a podcast you know exactly so how do you figure out all of the skills involved you just have to do it that's what i love about um like artists and creatives but especially what i've seen from like drag queens during lockdown is that like the ones that have thrived the best oh yeah are the ones that can do absolutely everything they can like edit their own videos sew dresses they can style wigs they can do their own excuse me Mm-hmm. They can style their own wigs, they can do their own makeup, and they can do it standing on their head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I really think something that's, like, getting so much clearer with British drag is that it's it's not necessarily about the look, it's about, like, the sort of fashion. It's about fashion? I, <laughs> <laughs> I have got to my wits end with people, like, with, like, Facetune. Because it's getting on my nerves now where, like, people are doing it unapologetically. Don't. Well, can we talk about redacted? Can we talk about who? Um, I'm, I'm gonna say it, but you can bleep. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I can understand to an extent the art form of retouching pictures. Absolutely understand that. But it's different. There's retouching pictures, and then there's morphing your body to look like to like a different face, a different body. The way that when she walked into the workroom, I had to ask the people I was with, "Who is that?" Yeah. Oh, well, you've just said workroom, so people are gonna know it's a drag race queen. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I mean, this is the thing. And living in London, I've encountered her a couple of times in person, and not known until mm. she was announced for the cast. Because like I then I then went to like her um, what do you call it like Instagram, and I was like, hang on, I've seen that outfit on a queen. Like, but they didn't look like that. Mm. 
this particular queen doesn't look bad, but they look completely different. I mean, I just think it's upsetting that someone who, like, that people who look nice feel like they have to make themselves look, air quotes, even better, but they just sort of end up looking like this sort of thing. Yeah. Because obviously, like... And that applies to everyone. Going back to what I was saying, we're making a point about how, like, drag queens can do so much. I feel like, yes, it's great when you can do so much, but also don't do too much. (laughs) Yeah, but, but, like, on a positive note, like, I think some people who are doing really cool editing with their photos. So, like, I mean, Bones does gorgeous edits. Do you know, um... Pure, the queen. Pure is my sister. I love some of the edits she does. Gorgeous. Let me check where my notes, where we're stopped. <laughs> here we go, here we go. We'll, we'll circle back. Um, one of my first impressions of you was that you're, like, creative as fuck. Because I was like, wow. Just from just from Instagram. Oh. Um, and you've definitely, definitely proved it as far as creativity goes throughout lockdown. Thank you. You're very, very welcome. Now, the reason why I've invited you on here is because, well, it's not just one reason, because the list goes on, model, artist, poet. But the poetry is why I've invited you here. Um, yeah. You did a little competition on your Instagram because you'd brought out this book, which I will go on to in a minute. Yeah. And I managed to get my hands on a signed copy. Oh, God, you did. It was me. <gasps> it was me, and I have it here with me right now. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, still available. Uh, Shawfowler.bigcartel.com. Yes. It's £10 for a copy, um, not including postage. Get that promo. With his chest torn open, that is the title. Yeah. So raw and honest. It is. Um, I can talk about the title. Oh my god, we're gonna get into everything. We're gonna get into everything. I mean, this is some tea that I haven't spilled before, but the <laughs> with his chest torn open. So that was originally the title of a poem that was like cut from the lineup. Um, but the poem was sort of. I'm gonna ask you why in a minute. I, I, I'll tell you about it. it. It didn't go. Idea was one of my favourite paintings. It's called Augusta, the Pigeon-Chested Man and Rasha, the Black Dove. And it's a painting of these two, like, sideshow circus street performers. Mm-hmm. And this man has, um, I forget the official term, but he's got, like, a upside-down ribcage. And so his, like, chest is really, like, contorted and twisted up and, like, mangled. Right. And I sort of related to that visual as... Right sort of like a representation of like frustration because you know like look at look at what I wear I'm Mm -hmm. currently at a point where in my life where every part of my identity I put I mean right now you are literally wearing everything I I, because (laughs) what you've got on your shirt is everything (laughs) it's the world a little world map moment on my shirt um but uh, I really resonated with this imagery of the Mm -hmm. chest and I wrote a poem called With His Chest Torn Open, which was, um, you know, the information that you find next to paintings in galleries that yes. say the title, the artist, the year, mm-hmm. and then what it was made of, mm-hmm. or like the materials. And so I wrote a poem along those lines that sort of, um, sort of listed a bunch of like items or materials that I felt were sort of mm-hmm. part of my foundation and part of like what I... I don't know, what makes me me. Uh, and I ended up cutting the poem because I, I didn't, for part of me didn't feel comfortable sharing that one yet. And part of me felt it didn't quite go with the rest. And on that, there's just, there's a few in there that like I was a little bit worried of being like, right, okay. do I really want to just say this? 
I would say it's like 60% factual and yeah. 40% like sort of, you know, embellished upon and like hyperbolized because I'm not going to like write a diary because who's buying a diary? Nobody. Well, I say that <laughs> there is a very, there's a very famous diary that has um, <laughs> sold very, very well. But going, going back to you saying that you felt that that, that specific poem didn't fit with the the others what what is the obviously i've read it but what is the running theme i'm quite a dense person like i can understand poetry but the theme wasn't quite clear to me i think so for me it wasn't necessarily about like having one running theme um mm-hmm. i'm i turned 20 in a week uh six days very exciting and i started compiling this once i turned 19 and i sort of realized this is my last year as a teenager right and sort of like it's been a bit of a wild ride it definitely like speaks that way when you read it there's a lot of experience in there because if you had said to 13 year old me that i would be you know happy living in the city of my dreams like with the most mm-hmm. amazing people around me, able to do what I want to, I would have laughed in your face. I would have been like, no, that's not going to happen to me. <laughs> and with the book, I wanted to sort of like, sort of compile various feelings and ideas and emotions that have sort of like followed me through those years. And there's one right, okay. called uh, Mathletics, which like is mm-hmm. literally about being sat in the, on a kitchen table trying to do homework yeah and um, but then there's like stuff that... and that's like close to i think that's like the second one in the book mm. so it kind of like does it go chronologically or uh not not really no um but you know that that the sort of feelings that i explore in it while the situation is specifically sitting at a table doing the math homework it sort of reflects those themes of like sort of like academic pressure that mm. follows you everywhere. And this is something very personally to me. I struggle with it a lot. My friends will tell you, I don't stop complaining and I have such high standards for myself. I yeah. got a, this year I've had like three A's and one B. And when I got the B, I was devastated. <laughs> like I'm over it now. But you know, when I opened the page on Google Chrome, you couldn't have told me anything. I was, I was a shambles. Yeah. Because I had gotten a B, which isn't a big deal. I think, yeah, I think it's (laughs) not... I don't think that anything that I've written is limited to the time that it's been written in. That's that's perfect. That's what I actually had. The last last episode that I did was with my friend Kate, and she's a a poet as well. We were talking about her poetry. And one of the questions I asked her was, so you write poetry in a certain time. Is it just relevant in that time or are all the lessons in the poetry like transferable across your life? Like, do you find yourself going back to other poems and being like, oh, I can see that now. Or like, I can see myself mm-hmm. living out that that same story. And yeah. Yeah. I, Is the answer to that? I would say some yes and some no, because I, especially when I first started writing poetry, it was very like reactionary. It was like therapeutic. Right. Like if I was having a bad time, if something went wrong, I would write. Mm-hmm. and try and like sort of figure it out that way but um now i've become i mean especially like very recently like since releasing the book i've become a little bit more not necessarily spiritual but more accepting of those ideas because yeah. you know i'm usually if it's not on paper then i don't care but uh, i've been reading a lot of gender theory and yeah. um sort of re-understanding my identity um 
my sort of relationship with the world. Does your poetry help you with that? I think it has. I think because it allows me to sort of like put these situations down on paper. I mean, I wrote one very recently called Back to Blonde, which is sort of like, it's like a tribute to Amy Winehouse. But um, it sort of like takes, it, the poem takes you through sort of like the journey of like getting ready to go out and like on a date or something. And then sort of realising that, you know, the person that you're on a date with isn't the... Isn't quite what you expected. Isn't quite what you expect and ends with a sort of realisation that, like, you know, I made the choice to go out and do this. Yeah. You know, like, what what choice could I have made to do something different? I think what I like about everything that I've read, and I, I mm-hmm. mean, there's loads of, um, like, videos on your, your Instagram of things that you haven't put in this specific piece. Mm-hmm. But they're so, like, raw and honest and not necessarily, like, completely explicit in the words on the page, which I like. And I think I I love a bit of interpreting it my own way. I think it makes it more, like, universal. I know it sounds like camp as fuck, but I I like that it's universal and I can read into it my own way. Yeah. Well, that's (laughs) the thing. I'm quite good at doing a sort of confessional type thing without necessarily saying, my name is Shaw Fowler and I am sad today. You know, I I go a little bit more... Um, it's more sophisticated than that. Abstract with the root, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Can I ask, do you have a favourite one out of the ones you've read so far? I do. Let me find, let me find. <laughs> <laughs> I have notes. <laughs> I'm ready. Oh my God, it's like a book club. We should start a book club. Oh, oh my God. Every other podcast episode is a book club. Oh my God, I just that. can't read that fast. <laughs> I actually circled it and I can't. I love tomorrow because okay. I study Spanish, so it kind of like I loved that. Oh my god, tram tracks was like tram tracks. Oh, I don't know whether that's your favorite, but let me explain it... why I like it, and then you can explain what it means and see if I've yeah. completely missed okay. the, missed the mark. <laughs> so, to me, I mean, I was reading it and it kind of didn't make sense until the end, and then I was kind of like, okay, mm-hmm. whoa, it feels as though. It's a poem about right person, wrong time. And it keeps happening and it's like constant. Is that right? Yeah. So, I mean, I hope you won't mind me saying this, but a lovely boy called Josh from Sheffield. We were, Uh we first met each other when we were 13. And um, I actually... Mm. Is this um, one of your older ones or is it like... uh, This is quite old. This is a good two or three years old. But uh, I met him when I was 13. And the reason I met him is because I had... um, been like speaking to his boyfriend on like I think Facebook Messenger and he like came at me like why are you speaking to my boyfriend I was like I didn't even know you were together that was our first interaction but no this is like this is like little 13 year old's drama like it's not 2D but it feels like I can feel this I feel that but yeah so from meeting each other at 13 until I left Sheffield at 18 wow we were sort of like on on again off again like Mm -hmm trying to make something happen and work but it it never really did Mm -hmm. and you know i have so much love and respect for him but you know it just didn't work out that way yeah but um i mean i could read it for the for the podcast (laughs) listeners please please do because obviously i'm not gonna know the the pentameter is that the right word that is a word Just, I'm 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 crap with terminology too. Don't worry. I don't know the intonation but, um, is maybe. No, 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 that's not right either. Pacing. Yes, we'll go with. I pacing. would have said pacing. <laughs> okay, so this is tram tracks from with his chest torn open by Shaw Fowler. Together again, 
and it's different and the same. There's this weird feeling in our mouths every time we say his name, you know, your ex, the one who's driving us insane, it's draining everything from my brain, I'm weaker, I'm worn out, I'm exhausted. If I could control time, I would pause it. I've been through hell and I'm not even religious. The idea of freedom is seeming more and more delicious. If hedonism could be realism, I would have no responsibilities. Because every second of every minute, my breaths keep getting thinner and I can taste last night's dinner because I'll always end up as a sinner and I'm stressed out. I'm running out of reasons, I'm running out of energy. I'm showing no sign of recovery whatsoever. You'll never say never. You'll never say always either. I know who you are. I know my place. You sat across from me and you painted freckles on your face. And it's neither here nor there for me to question you. I know I said we'd take things slow, but I started this poem with the word together. It's like our lives are fucking tram tracks. They only cross each other when another tram needs to come through. Do you remember that time we almost got run over? I do. Oh, goosebumps. It's the last bit. It's like, it's like, ooh, it's like you're back and forth. And then it's like the very last time. It's like, it's, it's all as though, I don't know. I can't explain it. I'm, I'm, let me, I'm going to try and. Well, so I really like using the phrase I do because obviously that is so ingrained in this idea of love. And, you know, it's what you say when you get married to someone. Mm. I do. But, um, you know, I think the last sort of four lines... It's They're my favourite lines. This idea that we seem, to, we seem to connect with each other the most at points mm. where someone else was involved. And the sort of analogy of almost getting run over is that there's been points where, you know, if that third person could cause such a rift that it stops, it breaks apart, that we... Yeah. essentially our relationship or connection would die and you know maybe i'm being dramatic but that's the sort of energy that um i love the idea that like this analogy that if it was co- to come so close and you were to come so close together that it, everything would be completely destroyed and unrepairable is like it's so just soul destroyingly perfect yeah <laughs> I mean, I was worried that the the trams were a little bit inaccessible because obviously Sheffield has trams, Manchester has so. But that shows your origins. That's a nice nod to like where you're from. But I reckon if you said tram to someone from St. Albans, they'd be like, what? <laughs> I know what you mean. But it speaks to, it, it's got that little nod to where you're from in it. Like, I like that. Yeah. It's, it's a localised subtle. northern moment. Yes, localised. <laughs> so you said that you started, it actually says in the, if I'm right, in the foreword that yeah and you mentioned as well that it's you started writing these poems when you were 13 up to 19 and then you started collating them when you were 18 or oh, is that right yeah yeah um, yeah how yeah. has your writing changed from when you were 13 to now to like nearly 20 okay well i think when i was 13 i did a lot of like escapism in my writing i wrote very like unrealistic so sort of pretty much like cringy like you know love stories about like you know boys that didn't exist and things like that and now i'm lucky enough to be living a life where i don't have to make these things up anymore yeah which like does that mean they sound the same like the things that you were making up in your head were they what you're living now or no because i think i was i mean i was definitely going through like some like 
some kind of like mental health crisis for a good couple of years mm-hmm. you know very depressed and very like I mean I used to write some horrendous I think I can remember um use me and abuse me then throw me out the doors I don't care I'll always be there because I'm yours <gasps> I was writing that kind of line but that's <laughs> that's something that I felt but who I think like ah that's something that I felt <laughs> but I was there like kissed one boy never had a boyfriend at the, at the age of like nine yeah. being like use me abuse me put your cigarette out on my tongue yeah. <laughs> that kind of stuff <laughs> that's like so I was really you know just going for it I was going for it and it wasn't necessarily good but I'm also glad that I did it because it's gotten me to the point that I am today and this is I've had a couple of people ask me like when that like how do how do you write poetry and the only advice or like how do you write good poetry the only mm. advice is to just write anything because if there is good poetry inside you yeah it might just be that there's like six layers of bad poetry that you have to get rid of first so just keep writing and keep going I mean I've been trying to do um I don't know if they've called it that this time but Napo Remo National Poetry Writing Month where you write one poem per day following like a random brief which doesn't work for me but it could really work for someone because... I think it could work in the sense of it could get all of that shit poetry out of the way for someone and get them... Yeah, it forces you to, like... Get your creative juices flowing. Use up all of the, like, silly things. Like, you know, all those easy rhyming couplets that you can do and, like, cringy ideas and be like, oh, you know, roses are red, violets are blue, I love you. That kind of, like, once you get that easy stuff out of the way, then your brain is opened up to a little bit more experimental writing Mm. and i mean i talked before about the confessional there's nothing more helpful than just writing from your brain just forcing that stream of consciousness Mm. onto a page and then just like blacking out every part you don't like and then you have a poem left over and then you've got pretty much because i think the the you were talking about getting the the foundations and the easy the easy basics behind poetry the stuff that you write like it's not line one rhymes with line three and like line two lines with rhyme. It's not like that at all. Yeah. And I do like that. That's the thing. My rhyming patterns are out of the like door. Like I do, I love to do like a go from the end to rhyme with the middle or like do the end of one line rhymes with the first word of the next line. So you don't even notice it until it's maybe like verbalized. That's what I liked about when you read the one, when you read tram tracks mm-hmm. is that I wouldn't know how to read it but then i feel like it sounds better when it's read yeah from the creator mm-hmm. i mean this is the thing i was thinking of my next sort of little project seeing if i could get a little uh what do you call it audiobook or um that could be fab ep lp what's the short one lp an ep ep one of them i mean get your sure fella bent, o- bent over backwards over the grass going <laughs> oh. Sure, Fowler bent backwards over the fucking G-A-Y table. Bent backwards over the smoking area. Been there, been there. <laughs> I don't... I miss I it. want to be back clubbing. I'm going to try and do less, like, G-A-Y and do more, like, okay. smaller or, like, diverse yeah. venues. Yeah. R.I.P. Kiki. R.I.P. Void. Void was the best. But anyone is... I feel sorry for the kids that aren't going to get to experience Kiki and Void because oh, it was... I was the first time I was in Void, I'd been 18 for maybe a month and I hadn't been in a club yet. Uh, what a place to start. What a place to start. It's insane. <laughs> I went from uh, a Marina in the Diamonds concert <laughs> to 
two Kiki, two boys. What a fucking camp, mate. I, it was the way that the sweat would drip off the ceiling. I was like, fuck Berkine, give me the fucking void at 4am. Give me void. Give me a void. But you, for some reason, it's like a it's like a void where like you just don't get tired. Oh, yeah. It's, have you watched <laughs> Percy Jackson? I have. I have. You know the casino scene where they go in the casino. When they go into the casino. And it's like seven years later. Yeah. And then they walk out. That is exactly what Void is like. Because the thing about Void is <laughs> I don't know how they make any money. I don't think I've ever bought a drink in there. Because you can't move. You're standing in the same place dancing for three hours. And you don't get like... Very Because it, it gets so packed in there because it's so small. I love it. Bloom is where I'm at. Just being messy and throwing myself down the stairs. <laughs> I think it speaks to the kind of people we are that we've managed to like make creative ventures, keep like a social presence and manage to like actually do something with our careers during lockdown. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's, that's my thing is that like when the first lockdown happened, I wasn't that stressed about it because A, Animal Crossing had just come out. (laughs) So I was like, perfect, I'll do that. Yeah. And I'm used to being like, I mean, not a bedroom queen, but basically a bedroom queen. Yeah. Yeah. Like, without the queen of it all. Mm. In Sheffield, I mean, God bless the friends I have in Sheffield, but there's very few of them. Yeah. And, you know. That's why I kind of didn't, because I've had to take a year off uni because I was supposed to be in Spain and then it's just not happening. But I'm glad that I moved home because I think if I was anywhere else, I would be, like, itching to get out and itching to do something and wasting money on rent when, like, I can't do anything anyway. And no one's doing anything. So it's not like there's no fear of missing out because no one's doing anything. Yeah. So I mean, my family home is teeny tiny. So I'm, I could not only could would I have hated moving back, the sort of logistics of moving all my things back into that room is not on the cards. Impossible. It's not on the cards. No. <laughs> so I was like, well, do you know what? I'll sit in my overpriced flat in London and I will play Animal Crossing and I will take selfies. See, that gives me anxiety. Like having to. If I think if my this is ironic, actually, but with the way the student loans work, I think if I had a household that had a lower income mm-hmm. and I got a higher maintenance loan, I think I would risk London, but I'd have to work <laughs> and nowhere pays enough for me to live in London. <laughs> so, Oh, yeah. It's, it's sort of like a weird trap. And this is this is the issue that I think a lot of, like, you know, I don't think parents realise how much they're expected by, like, the government to give. And I'm, I'm very lucky my parents have, like, helped me live in London for so long. Yeah. But, like, also, you know, they're not rich. I'm working class. You know, they're helping me because yeah. they know how hard it is because it's been hard for them. I mean, you, you asked me to talk political. I'll talk political. Not, like, I mean, fuck Tories, but this sort of, like, class, bashing that happens on platforms like tiktok is so crazy let me get this are we ready because what i'm reading right now is perfect for this <laughs> see if you can guess the book i'm reading right now before i get it is it um chairman mao's little red book chavs i have seen it but i don't know it's called chavs the demonization of the working class and it is is it good it's so relevant yeah it's it's been um it's in its new it, this is the new edition so he's done like a a yes owen he is a he um, he's done like a preface, like an updated preface from 2020 to mm-hmm. give it a bit more like of an updated background to the book. Mm-hmm. So good. So good. So relevant at the yeah. moment. Back to the TikTok. Yeah. Like you just, you think about like these people who are like, I don't even know how to word it, but it, there's so much. Ra, where's my backy? <laughs> Ra, where is my backy? <laughs> like where, where is my backy? You know, 
but like it's just because obviously it, you have to think <laughs> I don't know like what wasn't there a girl in America who's like she she was like one of those girls you know they like spray paint their walls and like wear like really baggy clothing and like act poor okay this is something that I yeah so I don't know if you've ever been to Fallowfield no there is a theme of okay it might not not just be here but because there's a lot of students and it's quite a like a it's quite a there's a lot of fashion and and a lot of like pop culture influence a hub yes is it a hub it's a social hub there's a lot of people dressing like they have less money by buying things that are really expensive and can't be bought by the people mm-hmm. that they're appropriating I mean, this is the thing, like, it's... Blows my mind. It's, we were all, like, you know, this, the whole thing of, like, ripped jeans, like, why are you paying more to have, like, jeans that look older? Mm. I feel like when those kind of conversations were happening in media, we were, like, a little bit younger, and we were sort of like, oh, shut up, we're going to wear jeans. Like, and we, but, like, now... But it is, it's we're exactly We're seeing that. it happen, not in a single item of clothing, but in someone's entire life aesthetic. Yeah. These people will start, like, smoking backy so they can... Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> which is so, sounds so stupid, but it's literally what happens. Yeah. I love TikTok as a tool for progressing, mm-hmm. like, aesthetic movements, and yeah. I think it's good, in a way. But it but can be quite toxic. That two-sided knife. <laughs> it's also known as a spoon. Like, <laughs> how sharp are your spoons? Oh, God. No, it is really funny, though, it is... It's a strange one because growing up in an area that that, that has quite a, a high population of low-income families, I, I'm, I've grown up around this, the culture that's being appropriated by students and people that have more money. And I think it, it, it just... Yeah. It kind of feels like a bit of a dig. Yeah. Because it's like, I'm dressing like you, but I'm doing it better. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. Doesn't sit well. Yeah. And this is something that, like, I mean, my course is very, very heavy. We do so much on the sort of, like, what goes behind someone wearing clothes, you know? Because, I mean, in the book that's, like, based, that my course, my, my course is basically based upon, mm-hmm. um, there's, like, it talks a lot about like, what Vivian Westwood did. She would wear, like, ripped up clothes, old clothes, dirty clothes, right wing, like, mm-hmm. symbols and stuff like that. But it was done for subversive intent. It was this sort of like radical thing. Right. These people are picking this sort of aesthetic choice to to fit in almost. But like also... Oh, they, oh I think they think it's cool. Yeah. Like... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what it is. It, it's almost like impossible to understand because you can see them doing it and you can mm. think, huh? Like... I wouldn't do that. I yeah. like. I, I don't know. I think thinking about why people pick their aesthetics the way they do. I mean, it's a strange one. We can talk about. We're very, very different. You are. I always picture you in like stone, tan, sort of like off-white colors, very natural fibers. That's very your vibe to me. <laughs> Whereas, like, I love know, like, that. Yes, browns. <laughs> no, and you basically, no, I'm boring. You do it so well. <laughs> I think you your like fashion is so stunning. But like I I could wear it because I'm gorgeous, but I don't think I could like walk into a shop one day, buy an entire outfit of beige clothes, yes. put it on and go, This is my thing now. This is me. Yeah. But that's what it looks like when I see people doing yeah. this 
doing it looked this like they saw it on thing. TikTok or Instagram or Pinterest and they went, oh, I can do that because I've got the money to go to a shop and buy it all yeah. now. And while it's nice to see that happen in a sense of, not necessarily with that the specific case we're talking about, but like, you know, more people wearing like, you know, alternative in air quotes fashion. It's nice yeah. to see more people embracing this weirder aesthetic. It's also frustrating because I've been cultivating my wardrobe yeah. and buying secondhand like from charity shops finding things in the street this is what i'm talking about though is is that like we have this thrifting culture which i absolutely love yeah. when it's like charity shops because when i was at uni i couldn't afford high street stuff urban outfitters has this habit of like making it look like things that you would find in a charity shop but at extortionate prices this is what i hate this like ES fun stuff that looks like brand new made stuff that is made to look like secondhand stuff. Yeah. And there is too much clothing in the world. I mean, we don't need any more. You know, we don't we, need any more. We don't need any more. We could stop all clothing production and everyone could have could wear a new outfit every day for the rest of their lives. Yeah. I spent most of my uni experience doing a little loop of Leicester, going around all the charity shops. And there's enough. And then the things that I thrifted from charity shops, because I can't afford anything else, mm-hmm. were the things I get most compliments on. Yeah. But it's something that you could find. The reason behind it is because it's something you could find in these high street shops that are making people pay 10 yeah. times the price because people are just copying this, having no money. Yeah. And it's it, it's not something to it, copy. It's weird. <laughs> having no money it's is really not a fashion weird. statement. It's not a, a like a, a trend. <laughs> it's life. No. It's our lives. Yeah. 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 It is. It's horrible. But I think we need to just overthrow the government. <laughs> We've gone down a few rabbit holes. No, that's fine. I think I'm at the end of my notes anyway. Um, how has doing your poetry and doing your, your creative ventures, how is it different in lockdown as opposed to pre-lockdown? Is it a different experience? Do you write about different things or do you create different things? Or Tell me about it. Yeah, um, that is a really interesting question because... I mean, as I said before, I'm sort of used to being a bit of a bedroom creative, doing things from my laptop in my room. Um, something that COVID has definitely, like, limited is the real-world opportunities I got to have. Like, pre-lockdown, I was going to Fashion Week, like, interning for people. I've not really been able to do that since, like, COVID. I've had a couple of amazing opportunities. I was in Glasgow assisting on... Um, a Bollywood movie assisting styling which was insane it's an insane opportunity but I do sort of wonder hang on if there wasn't all the Covid limitations then like would I have had 10 of those opportunities and maybe I wouldn't but you know it's it's frustrating because I try not to think about it because what, what you can't go back now can't go back and start putting masks on people yeah because the the one opportunity you have this massive big one it's it's kind of relative so if you would have had 10 and you've had one the person that would have had one has had a smaller opportunity yeah. like it's not you're not missing out because you're still getting yeah. the yeah, like I've, the opportunity that's relative to the work that you're doing i've been i've been very lucky to like a keep myself occupied with my own project and have various smaller opportunities well, like a couple, one or two of opportunities like along the way that are real world. But it's just been very frustrating because I'm in London, which, you know, is a massive city for fashion. And I've not really been able to do the things that like, you know, you think about London for, which which is fine. I'm more than happy to make a couple of like sacrifices for a year and a half, two years. Don't worry about it. I've, I've got a while left before I'm buggering off, you know? <laughs> 
So is your plan not to settle in London then? Are you going to... Oh, I don't think so. Get what you can from London and then come and settle in Manchester. It's like a cheaper London. And it's also got like, I feel like it has more of a community feel on the gay scene. But smaller. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the thing. I don't know. I I would love to raise my kids in yes. Sheffield, provided I have children. So I definitely think stay in London for a couple of years post uni, mm-hmm. then try somewhere else. You know, just just mm-hmm. try it. Like, because the worst thing that happens is that I don't like it and I move somewhere else. That's literally mm-hmm. the worst thing that could happen. Like, so long as I make sure that I'm yeah, financially true. secure and that's the main like. I hate being an adult. You have to buy bed sheets. You have to buy your own like face wash and body wash. You have to wash the bed sheets. You've got to clean your room. You got to buy bloody <laughs> detergent. You got to buy dishwasher tablet. You got to wash your dishes. It's not. It's really not the one. We should just move back in with our parents. I say that as if I'm not sat in my parents' house right now. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, do I you am. are you um, a family unit in that house, or do you live sort of like independently? Um. I mean, I'll, I'll elaborate on what I mean. My sister lives at home, so she's a year older than me. Mm. But, like, she will sit down and eat dinner with them. I mean, like, my mum still cooks for uh-huh. her. And, like, does her washing and everything. Which is, like, you know, fine, yeah. you know, it's just whatever. But, like, are you like that? Or do you, like, do your own thing in the house? So she, co- she cooks. Um, and then, like, I pay her, like, I pay her keep. So I pay her rent. Only, like, a little bit. And then that pays for basically like food and detergent and stuff and all that stuff that you would buy. But like I do my own washing and clean my bed, tidy my room. And I'm in work most of the time. And when I'm not there, I'm at my boyfriend's. So it's like I'm very rarely here when I'm actually here. And if I'm here, I'm doing my podcast or I'm doing drag or I'm... So it's not like you don't feel like a kid? No, not really. Like, and I I, I make an effort to make sure that I'm not treated like one or spoken spoken like spoken to like one either because i'm i feel like i've got my shit together (laughs) so i mean that's sort of what i'm like when i do go home which is like maybe for a Mm. week at a time and like i'm just so independent at this point that like i don't think i could move back in with my family that's what i miss because i've kind of been forced back into it but as soon as Mm. i move to my own place my plan is not to move back so i just i'm obsessed with being independent or like if you do only temporary exactly exactly i mean it's been like a nearly it's been a year now and it'll be a year and a half by the time i move out so it's just a lot yeah (laughs) it's just a lot yeah do you think it's made you closer to your family no (laughs) being around them no. This is something for me. I've gotten so much closer with my mum not living with her. That's that's the thing. That's a thing. But moving back makes me annoyed. Because, like, I now I talk to her when I want to. And so, like, I'm actually inquisitive and I want to know more about her day. Yeah. Whereas, like, before, I would see her all day, every day. And it's like, I know what's going on. So I'd be like, okay. Like, I know what you did every day. I was there yeah. the whole time. And also, my parents bicker a lot. So it's like, I sit there and... All I do now, because I'm older, all I do now is nitpick everything. So I'll sit there and be like, I'll pick, I'll just listen to them bickering. I'm like, why are they doing this? Like, I don't want this with my life. Or like, they'll do something. I'm like, why have they done it that way? Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a lot. I definitely couldn't move back. Like, I love them. But God, no. <laughs> like, it's bad enough. But you've come so far. Yeah. Like, so I'm I'm here now and I'm not leaving. Unless I can't afford my rent, in which case I guess I will have to leave. Um, <laughs> I love that. Oh, I do. I am. Um, I need like a job, job though. You know. Yeah, but you're still studying, so I don't. Like I can sell stuff, but I I need a job, job, which is it's just a trap, really. Life. It'll come. It'll come. 
and you're still studying so you might not have the yeah you might not have the tools yet to get the job that you actually want so keep studying and keep doing what you're doing once i get my degree then i can start getting rejections for a reason exactly exactly (laughs) well that's the thing now they just don't respond but once i get a degree they'll have to reject they'll have to reject you because you have the qualification isn't that lovely (laughs) they'll have to actually say no rather than just pretending i don't exist just don't go on drag race because they're no People will take you seriously. The way that no one takes her seriously <laughs> because she's bad. Oh dear. Oh dear. She's bad. She's bad. She's not. She's really. What? But like, imagine setting fire to a building and just being like, I can't believe they won't let me in that building. <laughs> That's what she does. Set fire to the safe house, you will oh. not be let back in. That's that's what we'll end on. <laughs> um. I've actually come to the end of my questions. So, if there's anything else you'd like to end on, if there's any final lasting words that you'd like the listeners to remember you by. We're ending on the fact that all industries are completely buggered. <laughs> there's no free speech anywhere, except on Safe House. <laughs> except on Safe House, where everything to, is said is from fact. Come to Safe House, there's good facts, but we're also going to bleep a lot of it and cut out yes. a lot of it. From our own. Yes, this will be a, the redacted episode. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is the thing that, like, I I also think there's a time and a place to be saying people's names and talking about the things they've they, that they've done, and I don't think it's fair. And this is a positive platform as well, so. Yeah, I don't think it's fair to come on here and just chat shit about people when they don't really have an opportunity to back themselves up because I've blocked them on everything. I hope or any listeners who are worried that I might be, you know, a hateful person understand that, like, I say it because it's oh, funny. We're doing so much of our own personal growth to dig at other people. And I think that's a lot of the reason why I share so much about, like, certain individuals and the things that they've done that are negative. <laughs> I share about other people. <laughs> because... <laughs> That's such a funny way of wording gossip. (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna piss. (laughs) But you know what I mean. You know what I mean. Sharing information about other people. Okay, sorry. I can't down now. You know, it's it's factual information. I'm being a journalist, you know. (laughs) I'm reporting on situations as they happen in the field. <laughs> With this explanation, I'm sorry. I'm it's sorry. Fine. <laughs> but shall we? Shall we wrap up this episode of Safe House? Yeah, before I wet myself. <laughs> as the host, as the host, sort of descends into a chaos of laughter. Yes, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's made me laugh. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, <laughs> let me calm down a bit. Okay. Oh, I'm breathing. I'm breathing. Okay. It's been lovely having you on the show. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Again, you can buy your copy of (laughs) Shaw Fowler's With His Chest on Open at shawfowler.bigcartel.com. If you have any issues finding the book, please feel free to message me at Angel Fioruti on Instagram, at Angel Fioruti on TikTok, or you can um, check out my website, which is shawfowler.wordpress.com. There we are. That was... was so well rehearsed. I love, I love. Being available on iTunes. Oh, that is 
up and coming. That is up and coming, and I will be the first one in line to get it. Yeah, thank you so much for coming. We've had I've had such a fab time. Thank you again. I've had a wonderful time. When, obviously, I'm going to do like more seasons and more episodes, oh, yeah. and um, I hope to have you back as well. I'll come back in five years and be like, I've done nothing since. <laughs> I've done nothing. Still in the same flat. I've just sat in my bed with the same poems. Yeah. <laughs> same outfit on. Oh my god, please! If you don't wear the shirt in the next episode, it's 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 just not going to be a success. So this will be this will be my podcast shirt. Please, <gasps> please. Okay, thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. <laughs> All right, I'll speak to you soon. Bye. Bye.